called. I would like to introduce a well, a fabulous household name for well over you know three decades. Um, Lindy Milan is joining us from Sydney. How are you, Lindy? Oh, look, I'm terrific. It's going to be 29 degrees here today. <laughs> sure. Well, look at you. Don't just yeah, remember, it's 15 here in Melbourne. But don't worry, it's going to rain, which is our picnic day. From tomorrow, we're allowed out for one hour with four oh, other God. double vaccinated people in Jeez. a public space. Wow. Right. Do you have any plans? Have you got something in place? No, it's going to rain. I'm planning on Wednesday. Right. Well, you know, the, the good thing is there's a, there's some light at the end of the tunnel. We can see things beginning to come out. I, from what I do understand that um, just before we go, go into the reason you're here, that um, there are some pretty great stats coming out of New South Wales right now with the uh, one vaccination and double vaccination rates. So seems like things are tracking well. So, you know. Well, they have been. They've just slowed down the last couple of days. So right. hopefully people won't be complacent. But let's not talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, it's that's not what you're here for. things to talk about. So, Lindy, your career, you have had some incredible experiences and, and, you've, and you've worked with some incredible people as well. Can you just start from the beginning a bit and give us your story of how it is that you first got into food? Gosh, well, you know, I'll, I'll have to give you the potted version because I don't think we've got long enough. Look, I started cooking when I was 16 and... Um, and it was, it was, you know, it was a hobby, really. But um, I actually wanted to go to NIDA. But, you know, my mother, who was born in 1914, thought it was fabulous that women could go to university. And I was the youngest of four. So off to university I went. And I, I did a BA, Deped, with a double major in fine arts and history. So I became an art teacher. Um, did that for a year. Went to London. Um, discovered the wonderful world of advertising, but also in a combi van, we drove around Europe for three months. And that was just amazing, you know, just amazing to see the food and the sights and the smells and the flavours and everything. I mean, mum and dad had, had travelled and brought, brought flavours back, but um, you've got to remember that I was brought up in the era of meat, meat and three veg until, you know, we have Chinese and then... And then mum would cook spaghetti. But anyway, I ended up as general manager of a creative consultancy in London. And I used to get in court on Blue Cooks to do our boardroom lunches. And I used to think, oh, I can do this. I could do this. Came back to Australia, worked in advertising, um, and then gave up when I was, you know, 10 months pregnant, it seemed, with my first child. And thought, well, I won't work again until my my Well, he was a really good baby. And I was really bored. So when he was about 18 months old, I pitched the agency I used to work for and I ended up doing their boardroom lunches. And so that was only weekdays. My sister used to mind my son, um, so that was great. But then I got too busy, so I brought in a partner and then we got really busy. And, um, and then in the 87 stock market crash, things slowed down a bit. And I decided to hold cooking classes at home. And, and Peter Howard, who's also was a media guy as well, he said, oh, I'll come and help you do the classes. Well, it was hysterical. And he was on a year's sabbatical from TAFE. And after that, he said, look, I'd really like to uh, join your catering business. So my other partner and I live very close to each other. So anyway, Peter and Gail came up with this idea that we should buy a cafe. No, that we, sh we should get a commercial premise. Anyway, we bought a cafe crazy anyway so 
18 months of a cafe, oh my, oh my goodness, but what an experience, you know, really. So when we got out of the cafe, um, Peter got out of catering, we were still catering, but this was around 1990 and I'd already started um, in the media. I started on radio in 1987 and I'd started, I started writing in 1990 and then I also, um, also um, started on TV. So I was doing a lot of catering and a little tiny bit of media, but then as I just worked hard, I was able to increase the media and, and the the, um, and decrease the catering. And so sort of by the early 90s, I'd stopped catering completely. So I had a really good freelance career. But the thing was with the catering, that with catering I had therefore been interested in wine because our clients would want wine. So we didn't have a license, we would organise for the wine. But I got very interested in wine and I ended up teaching food and wine matching at um, the Wine Society, would you believe? So, you know, wine, food and wine matching is always, you know, I, I just love the way that you can have really good food and really good wine. And, that, and if they're good together, they can take you to another level. But you can have really good food and really good wine if they don't match. It's terrible. You can have ordinary food and ordinary wine and it can be elevated. You know, it's like a good relationship. You want to make each other better. You want to make each other seem the best you can be. Yep, anyway, absolutely. so... Um, yeah, so I ended up freelance and, oh gosh, look, I worked on every commercial radio station, um, no, sorry, every commercial television station one way or another. Um, I ended up working for every publishing house. Um, I wrote my first cookbook in 1995. I became president of the Wine Press Club of New South Wales. That's now Wine Communicators Australia. I later became president of the Food and Media Club. But um, then in 1999, which was the year my son was going to do his HSC, I was asked to go to Australian Consolidated Press to start a new magazine called Australian Table. And I thought, oh, well, I'm ready. I'm ready for a separation between home and work. So before that, by the way, I had also, um, I wrote the wine column for the Sun Herald for a while. So I was, I was, I was a food person who'd moved into wine, but I was definitely sort of more food. But but I had the combination and no one else really had that combination then. So it sounds like you were very and much the table, pioneer of the, the food and wine uh, relationship in Australia. That's awesome. Yeah, well, other people were talking about it, but I, I, guess, I guess in terms of the depth of knowledge. Anyway, it was, amazing. It, was, it was fantastic. I mean, you know, we got treated very well in those days. We'd go on amazing for meals to all sorts of places. You know, I went to the world's first vertical tasting of Grange. Like, what an honour. Wow. What an absolute privilege. Anyway, sorry, so Australian table, and then I came under pressure to go to the Women's Weekly, and I thought, oh, I don't want to go to the Women's Weekly, you know. <laughs> and then I realised that if I really wanted to influence people, so then it was the most read magazine per head of population in the world and I thought if I'm a food that's the way to do it because I my whole thing is we live in a country where food is accessible and affordable we can cook it for ourselves I just wanted to empower people to have the confidence to cook for themselves because it's actually really simple it doesn't have to be complicated and that's the 
approach wine, you don't have to have all those sort of arty-farty descriptions. You can talk about how it makes you feel. So in the end, I decided it was made very apparent to me it was a career decision. So I went and I became the first food director of the Australian Women's Weekly. Um, I joined in November 1999. So then I was there for eight years, and that included hosting Fresh with the Australian Women's Weekly every day, um, every weekday on TV. And I used to sort of sneak a bit of Women's Weekly, would you believe, as well. And so then I was there for I was there for sort of eight eight and a half years and then it was just time to move on I'm not, I didn't love it but my kids were both overseas by that stage and it was just I just wanted to do something different so um to everyone's incredible amazement I quit I, I went and had some mentoring sessions to give me the guts to leave would you believe with the fabulous Wendy McCarthy anyway um, and so I then got asked to go and change Australian Table into BBC Australian Good Food. And it's the same company. But I said, look, um, I don't want another full-time job. That's the whole point. But I went and did that. And then I ended up getting courted to go back to the weekly for a year. But then I thought, no, look, I've just got to, you know, I want to be completely, completely free. But, but by then, in about 2011, my partner and I set up Flame Media Thing we did was a TV series in Greece that I did with my son, Lindy and Blair's Taste of Greece. And, and yeah, so it was still all sort of very based, but there you are, that's it in a snapshot. Wow, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty it's a pretty impressive snapshot. I, I kind of love that, like I guess I've, I've read, I'll call them your mini memoirs, but um, it seems like each different uh, factor of your professional career, you've taken strong stance to actually then go, it's time to move on. So it's not just that you've been taking advantage of all the opportunities around you. You've actually taken a very particular stance to go, you know what, even though I'm loving this, I just think it's time to move on because I just, it, it, and I don't quite know why, I just know it's time. And you extricate yourself from it and then move on. It's, it's actually, it's a wonderful businesswoman uh, tactic. And that's, um, where, where did those sort of influences come from? I, I know your first husband was was quite an influential businessman. You would have had a lot of those people around you. But is that something that was instilled in you from your parents or is it just you? Definitely from my parents. I watched my parents as they got older and they took charge of their lives. They sold their big house and bought an apartment before they had to. They did it as a matter of choice. And I think I've always felt that it's really important to, to do things at a time and in a manner of your own choosing. Mm. Because otherwise, you're not, I, I mean, personal freedom is very important to me. And I think we need to take charge of our lives. And I mean, whether you're talking about, you know, personal relationships or anything like that or professionally, I think we need to take responsibility as well. We need to take responsibility for our own lives and move on before you have to. I actually think they're very wise words. We could probably, many of us could uh could learn a lot from that. It's a, it's a very particular mindset of how you view things in the cycle, and I, I, I love it. And I guess that also then moves in the way that you view you, you view your food and your food and wine matching. So I guess a, a question I would love to to know is if you were to if you were to put on a 
a, a three or four course meal for a bunch of friends, which you'll be doing again very, very soon. How do you oh. approach that? How do you choose what you're going to cook? How, how do you start the whole process? Well, I, I, well, first of all, I look at who's coming and how many people I've got. And that, and, and also what day of the week is it? How do I feel about it? What's happening? What else is happening in my life? And then I will either start with the wine and then decide on the food or else I'll start with the food and then I'll choose the wine to go with it. But um, I also think about seasonality. So, for example, at the moment, I mean, gosh, asparagus, is, Australian asparagus has just come in. Well, that's fabulous. So why wouldn't you you put that as with really good parmesan, good extra virgin olive oil, so simple. You know, so I, I would start there. And then, you know, you think about the weather. Well, it's pretty warm here at the moment. So I might actually eat, actually even go for a, a seafoody main course or not, or I'd go. But once again, I think about the people. I always check people's dietary requirements. Yep, but if sure. I'm doing a big dinner party, I will often make a paella. You know, because mm. you do, you have made the, the sofrito first, you've cooked up you've, off your chorizo and, and chicken, and it doesn't require a lot. My partner and I were living half the time in London before COVID, and I could have, and our dining room was in, our dining area was in the kitchen, so I could have everything ready. And then all I had to do was just, you know, put the rice in, the stock in, and then the thing about paella, unlike risotto, is that you must not, so then you just, just got to sit there for 12 minutes then I'd put the seafood on so that's a great is something people struggle with but if you've made a great paella and you bring it to the middle of the table hey you don't have to worry about portions and presentation and it actually is far more spectacular than the effort involved and it's, it's, it's also just such a fun thing to eat and be part of. It's a very communal uh, type of food and, um, and and it speaks volumes, I guess, when you pop that down on, on a table. So from a wine matching perspective, I'd say with a paella, it goes very well with whites, but more the Chardonnay styles, but also goes beautifully with a good Grenache, you know, just, just a, that, that sort of style. What would you be pairing your style of paella with? Well, I'm such a red wine lover. I'd probably put it with a Tempranillo. Um, you know, there is that whole thing that there's a synergy of the food and the wine from the same soil. And, um, of course, you know, Rioja. But um, but I'm very proudly uh, pro-Australian wines overseas. Good. But in Australia, I like to support the Australian industry. But I love any of those medium-bodied um, reds. You know, Sangiovese, mm. I find Italian reds are fantastic with food. Mm, I totally tannin. agree. It's the tannin and the savouriness, I think. Mm. And there's some great things, really great things, um, you know. I think back to Gary Crittenden, who pioneered it. When I was president of the Wine Press Club, we gave him, a, I can't remember if it was five or $10,000 fellowship back in the 90s. And he used that and another grant to actually research the areas of Australia that would suit Italian grape varieties. And he published a booklet on it which he made available for nothing to the Australian wine industry. And that, you know, really is what gave the Italian grape varieties impetus in Australia. Right. Um, I have to say I'm, I'm a massive fan of those varietals as well. And I was having this chat last night uh, with, with my partner about the reason why they're so good with food. And it really comes down to the culture, doesn't it, of, of Italians are 
they, they, they don't drink wine so much like Australians. We're quite happy to open up a Chardonnay or a bottle of bubbles and we can just drink that. Um, but Italians are very much, they make their wine to match the food. It's like the food is the, the more the main source. And that's why we have so much fun uh, pairing it. And we see the different levels that come through in their wines. So I, I absolutely love. But I also love that you do like to, uh, you know, support good old homegrown Aussie. And I know that you've done a fair bit to uh, help our farmers as well and promoting the fact that it's their produce that uh, has created the, you know, the career that, you, that you've chosen and how important it is um, to, to support them, which is, which is wonderful. Yeah, look, absolutely. Well, um, at the Royal Agricultural Society of New South Wales, we inaugurated the judging of food products in 1998. Now, every show society around Australia and I'm really proud that we started that back then in, in 98. And I was chair of the Fine Food Show. I was chair of Sydney Royal Wine Show for about eight years as well and of the Dairy Produce Show. But um, I think what the agricultural societies do is, is fantastic because we're, we're impartially judging product and then that is a guarantee to the consumer of a standard of excellence. And I think that's great. And if that then helps the farmers with their marketing, and that is that is so much the better. And look, my um, um, Lindy Milan's Taste of Australia, my TV series and cookbook both won Best in the World. And I think that's wow. not an accolade for me so much as an accolade for all of the farmers of Australia because they've just got such great stories and such great produce. Honestly, there is so when, when I was reading your, as I said, mini memoirs, I just kept getting bowled over by every chapter after chapter after chapter. And I was talking about it last night with with Mike and his mother, and his mother knows your stuff very, very well. Um, and uh, it's just amazing some of the stories you've had. And so some of those funny things, like you're know, giving Gordon Ramsay the swear jar. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was that was when I was with BBC Good Food, yes. So, so there are just so many stories, and I don't even know how much time we have here um, on this show. I could just talk to you forever about this. But we have just had, actually, someone text in. Her name is Shirley, and she is asking what you thought of your time in Greece with your son, Blair. It was magical. Um, well, it was, look, it was very hot, and it was very hard work. But in hindsight, I mean, my son was an actor and I would always told him he'd be an amazing presenter, but he wanted to be an actor. And he was a very good actor, but he was so much better at being himself. And um, it was very special. It's something I have to look back on because we shot that in, we did that in 17 days. Wow, that's incredible. You have to express, but that's unbelievable. Yeah, and um, that was September 2010. And very sadly, Blair died very suddenly from acute myeloid leukaemia the following April before it went to air. So it's an absolutely wonderful, wonderful thing to have to to see him so vibrant and alive. He was. He made a conscious decision to be happy every day of his life. We've we last year we um, re-edited that and put extra material in to make a show called Grease with My Son, which doesn't, it's still got obviously food wine in it, but it hasn't got the cooking segments, but it's got more of the more of Blair and more of the archeology. span um, And it's been sold overseas, but unfortunately no one in Australia has picked it up yet. But oh. I would absolutely love to see that. Okay, Go we need to get onto that promoting bus right now. Exactly. <laughs> I'm getting it. Exactly, exactly. It all starts at 96.5 in your <laughs> FM, ladies. We'll, we'll do our best as well and uh, and get it out there. You've also got your online presence too, uh, Lindy, with uh, Facebook and Instagram and all that, have you? 
Oh, yes, absolutely. And uh, I send a newsletter to subscribers on my website every week. If, they go, if you go to Lindy Milan, which is spelt weirdly, it was my mother, L-Y-N-D-E-Y-M-I-L-A-N.com, you can register. It's free for my newsletter. Tours overseas, not in the last 18 months, but I'm hoping to do to South Australia early next year. Mm. And then I'll be doing Puglia in October next year, I hope, and uh, Morocco in mm. late September next year. Yeah, well, I hope yeah. all of that goes ahead as well, especially uh, we're looking forward to getting down to South Australia ourselves uh, to, to do a show with Sepultsfield and, um, and Grant Burge, which will be great. Yeah, before but we have it to... has been so, it's been such a pleasure and an honour to have you, to have you on our little celebrity chef here and such fascinating stories. And uh, we'd love to have you back on again one day if, you are, if you'd be up for that. Yeah, look, absolutely. You know, I love radio is my first love because mm. I started in radio and I always say that I've got a great body for radio. <laughs> You're gorgeous. Don't you worry about that. I've got a great face for radio. So, hey, it's great. Uh, uh, you're both beautiful. <laughs> there you Thanks, go. Anna. But, you know, I think radio is such a fantastic medium because it's so personal. You mm. know, we are speaking individually to every one of the listeners and that's what's so magic about it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And another great thing is, you know, things like lockdown and COVID doesn't stop us. Look at us from three different states right here, and who would know? Yeah, it's fabulous. Awesome. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Well, look, Lindy, I hope that the weather isn't too bad tomorrow and you get to do a lovely picnic in a park with a, a few friends or at least start doing things. Let's start getting this book promotion in Australia, shall we? Yeah. Okay, thanks very much. Thanks, thanks Lindy. Thanks 